0: Under the Tartan Sky, Episode 41, Produced 21 May, 2017. Tartan a simple pattern of criss-crossed horizontal and vertical bands in multiple colors. While it did not originate there, few today associate tartan with anything other than Scotland. As a fabric, it's most often associated with the identity of various clans of the Scottish Highlands, an element of Scottish culture that some see as an invented tradition. Invented or not, tucked away on the Black Isle in the Scottish Highlands is one Scottish lassie who believes in the fabric of Scotland, so much so that she's building her new company, one bespoke tartan at a time. I'm Glenn Moyer. In a moment, we'll talk tartan with Claire Campbell of the Prickly Thistle, here under the tartan sky.
1: History, heritage, archaeology... In 2017, Scotland invites you to peer into the mists. Scotland's history is a long and rich one, filled with stories of legends and myths. Its heritage can be found in fields of standing stones and the ruins of castles that once were clan strongholds. Through the sides of archaeology, new discoveries of ruins and artefacts are continuously being made, that often reveal tantalising new clues to stories yet untold. In 2017, more than 50 events are planned to around nine major festivals, as Scotland invites visitors and locals alike to come face to face with the past. Great legends have been made throughout Scotland's history. What story will you write when you visit Scotland in the Year of History, Heritage and Archaeology?
0: There can be little question that Tartan is a fabric of identity. When acknowledging one's Scottish heritage, the first question you're likely to be greeted with is, what's your clan, what's your Tartan? Yet clan Tartans are generally thought not to date earlier than the beginning of the 18th century. The visit of King George IV to Edinburgh in 1822 and the romantic novels of Sir Walter Scott and others of the period are credited with beginning the great widespread popularity of Tartan and its adoption as the National Dress of Scotland. Indeed, the naming and registration of official tartans had begun only seven years earlier, in 1815, and at that time many clan chiefs truly had no clue as to their true tartan. By its very nature, tartan is a cloth of global identity with its roots in Scottish history. It was originally nature, not clans, that determined the tartan one would wear, Typically, a weaver in a community would create a tartan using the natural resources at hand, plants and berries to create colors with which to dye the fabric, most often wool. Certainly, the weaver would share this fabric with others in the community, which in turn became like an extended family that was soon commonly identified by the color of the local tartan they wore. This was not initially to differentiate themselves from another community. It was simply a natural occurrence, as the tartan they wore was what the local weaver produced. It was in this manner that tartan first became a cloth of identity. Today, though, there are thousands of tartans existent in the Scottish Registry of Tartans. They identify clans, companies, regions, organizations, causes, and individuals. Some are purely designed for fashion purposes. Indeed, almost every state of the United States has its own official tartan. And where do these tartans come from? Well, many originate with designers like Claire Campbell of Prickly Thistle. Tucked away on the Black Isle of the Scottish Highlands, Claire is a relative newcomer to the field of bespoke tartan design, and she brings with her a refreshingly unique, no rules approach to the task. While deeply respectful of tartan and its Highland traditions, Claire admits to a desire to bring a bit of disruption and innovation to the industry. She is quick to say that you do not have to be Scottish to know, love, and appreciate tartan, or to have a tartan of your very own. Intrigued by this unique approach, I sought out the opportunity to chat with Claire about tartan, its tradition, design, legacy, and global acceptance. I first asked, though, how a mother of two, a McDonald who married a Campbell, decided to embark on a career as a designer of bespoke tartans.
2: It's an interesting one, and I'm sure that Many around the world possibly think that we do that when we're at preschool, or you know, in terms of <laughs> being so iconically connected to, um, you know, our region in particular, you know, in the in the Highlands of Scotland. But um, for me, there was no direct route. You know, I don't recall doing colouring in tartan, um, you know, apples when I was three. But um, it's it's been a bit of a, a kind of journey and a maze, I suppose, in the sense that my background is probably something that you would classify it's not overly and um, creative in the sense that I'm uh, a qualified chartered accountant with the Institute of Chartered Accountants of Scotland here and I have been a practicing accountant for well over 13 years. And as I you know continued with that 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 passion, which it absolutely was for that for that length of time, you know, there was a realisation for me working, you know, working long hours, working with groups of people who were growing businesses, scaling businesses, starting up businesses, watching so many people around me follow their dream, and I thought, gosh, you know, Claire, it's, it's why do why do you do something for yourself? And um, and the the melting pot just sort of came together, as I say, with regards to. You know, I, I've always loved the the design aesthetic of tartan. I think it's such a simple, you know, design, but it says so much um, in terms of a, as a piece of cloth, you know, that, that can be produced anywhere, really. And um, it was it was pulling all of these things together. You know, the accountant in me was looking at the industry, looking at the economic um, progression of of you know this cloth, this product for Scotland, how could I actually bring something back to the region? Um, I love the design aesthetic, and and, and how could I be ambitious to maybe possibly add a a good um, dose of disruption and innovation to the whole sector that's possibly not been done before? So it was was a long, as I say, not typical route, uh, you know, being an accountant, but it certainly um, has, has given me the confidence to understand how I can actually, you know, create a business from an absolute seedling in this region and um, hopefully go on to you know, create lots of jobs and, and have another chapter for the, the history of, of tartan, really.
0: You mentioned you don't recall growing up as a child and, and coloring in tartans. Did you have any artistic training or a love of art? Somewhere there had to be a, an understanding of how colors work together. And, and so was any of that existent prior to you getting into your business?
2: interesting a lot of people have been asking me that lately and and I, I probably wasn't it was more of a sort of subconscious thing for me in the sense that because I had done so much training in a professional qualification manner I didn't appreciate actually you know my obsession with you know when we redecorated a particular room in the house or how I like to dress the children or when it came to you know wrapping all the Christmas presents under the tree every year that they had to have a certain look and it had to be done with you know, I wasn't going to buy wrapping paper. I was going to buy all of these families beautiful dishcloths and and use these as wrapping paper because then it's you know thoughtful and and each dishcloth would have a kind of nod to that particular person um, in terms of what their hobbies and interests are and things. So I think it was a subconscious thing for me that I just took as for granted and I didn't realise there was all of that creativity to try and do something a bit different and to, to try and. And and you know and and create my own I suppose um, and it's now I realise, and I look back over the last however many years I've now been kicking around um, yeah I obviously had quite a lot of creativity inside me um, albeit as I say I didn't actually pursue that academically um, I, I did it with friends and family and you know even you know, how you design you know you're doing your garden I didn't realise you know, all these little obsessions of me probably being launching at a certain fussy way as my husband would say with, with my creativity <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: and it was
0: well, then when did that sense of creativity grab hold of you? Because you're not the first bespoke tartan designer. Let's be honest about that. It is a business where I know there was a significant amount of competition. And mm-hmm. so it had to be a bit of a, of a step for you to reach out and say, I'm going to go from an accounting background to using what I feel is my inherent creativity to get into the tartan design business
2: absolutely and um yeah you' you're quite right there's a number of people that create design it's art and design and there is no formal training in that sense and you know you can compare it to for example you know and people you know in terms of bakers or painters and um, you know everybody can paint a picture of a house and and you know and quite often you don't need to be classically trained to do that but everybody will have a, a different interpretation and I do feel that it's drawn on as you say, what's inherent to your makeup, and also your life experiences, and for me in particular, which I find incredibly um, fascinating with what I'm doing now, is is it's the power to connect with people, which um, I didn't appreciate how much I enjoyed and um, being able to understand, you know, a person's makeup and how you can create something that really reflects that in a surprising way. So I find that is something you don't necessarily learn probably in any formal qualification. It's it's something that, yeah, it's, it's something that life experiences um, probably develop within you. So being able to connect with individuals, I think, is something that allows me to draw on what really excites them and what they really value. And then to be able to turn that into a sort of tartan colourful interpretation is, um, it's just something that I just find fascinating and, and love to do, I suppose.
0: Tartan, obviously, is, it is a Scottish icon here in the United States, as soon as you come out, if you will, and and say I'm Scottish, Mm -hmm. uh, the first question everybody has is, oh, you know, what clan are you affiliated with? What is your tartan? And of course, Mm -hmm. not every Scottish family had a tartan. It was originally uh, the Highland families that had the clans and the tartans. It was a whole lifestyle. But in America and in Canada and and certainly within the Scott diaspora around the world, that's often a question you're asked. And I was reading a a BBC report not long ago that, that made that very point, that the idea of clan affiliation and what is your tartan is something that is far more important to Americans like myself, Canadians and Mm -hmm. others than it is to the Scottish people. And I'm curious if you see that to be true. And is the adaptation of a tartan, the the idea of having a tartan, especially for companies and individuals, do you find that is more of an expression of their Scottishness, their pride in, in their Scott heritage or is it equally so or more so sometimes just something that they feel is expected of them or something that has to be done from a marketing standpoint to identify themselves mm-hmm. and, and because people say, well, if you're from Scotland, you must have a tartan
2: Yeah, yeah and um, to pick up on the first point, certainly, I think yes, um, for sure you think of you know that Scottish diaspora around the world and um, they feel you know I think there's more they're more vocal about those things that remind them of home and and you know quite often folks at home or you know it becomes such a part of everyday life and when you're speaking to you know the community and your friends and your family it's, it's not something that you you talk about on a regular basis but soon as you leave home it's something that you know is a beacon out there to everybody where you are that highlights your heritage so I think it's just with being in a slightly different environment um It it definitely at home, people are not as don't seem to be as passionate about it. Um, But I think if you take a Scot out of Scotland and you know pop them around anywhere, I think they'll soon start talking about how (laughs) amazing it is and tartans and wearing kilts and weddings and kales and and all that type of stuff. So, but um, I think I think that's just that's certainly my take on it for sure. And when it comes to the clan system and then you know what that means from a kind of an international. Perspective. I, I find that whole um, subject matter fascinating, and, and as you know, Glenn, you looking through the history of, you know, where was the origins? Well, actually, it's, it's not. It's not a Scottish invention. Yes. No, it goes back thousands and thousands of years. But certainly, we we honed. Um, we we lead claim to that certainly with the as you've touched on the the Jacobites, the Highlanders. Um, and purely, you know, for a you know survival basis, you know, and it was working off the land. What do, what do we have? What our raw materials? What do we need to make clothing to keep ourselves warm, dry, etc.? And it was born out of necessity and survival, and um, you know, and these these kind of interpretations and designs and styles were were born out of the natural dye materials available, and the and you know, and therefore community identities began to 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 generate and then of course we we had um, the the ban of tartan back you know post seventeen forty five um 1946, sorry, um, with obviously the Battle of clod and all these types of things and then the interesting revival and how the clan Tartans came to be and, and there's, you know, the story of the Sebesky Stuarts and, and how all of these designs um, were located, albeit nearly 40 years have, had passed by and you know, in some respects a whole generation of Highlanders had came and gone and, you know, but yet these manuscripts uh, existed and I and I recall reading somewhere that, you know, the Sebesky Stuarts had come to visit Lovett and Bealey, which is actually not too far away from where I'm based on the Black Isle, and they met a man from Cromarty, which is equally is only a few miles to my left or to the east of where I am. And the you know this man had bestowed upon them this this whole man, you know manuscript full of all of the clan tartans, which you know I think we were and um, they're very similar, shall we say, and very bright in terms of the colourways, which wouldn't have been the case um, in terms of access to raw materials. So. Um, so it' it's interesting how it all ties back to something that was probably a real commercial thing in, in in that that point in time with Sir Walter Scott and everything. that whole revival was was you know i think without doubt driven on a commercial and political basis. And for me, I think you know Scotland and the story has run with that for two hundred years, and you know and, it's, and it will always have a place in our history. But for me in particular, it's about two hundred years from now and actually, Looking back to that genuine, you know, Highland interpretation of of tartan design and what it means for an individual, where we can actually then, you know, drive that forward with genuine Highland-designed tartans, I think is a really interesting um, proposition. And certainly, where we can take on our famous Scottish entrepreneurial spirit and and throw a bit of disruption and innovation into it, but I think, you know, actually, you know, I'd like to think in two hundred years kilts as we know it are not you know woven with a particular um, yarn that is traditionally ounce worsted wool you know i would like to think there could be a whole range of things out there in composites that um, tartan has laid itself to and it's 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 you know it's it's moved things forward so um so that's that's always an interesting take on time back to your ancestors and then finally on the commercial side of it for corporates today i think i think in particular for companies absolutely I don't think they should be embarrassed in the sense that you know it's going to be commercially um, positive and rewarding to invest in a tart design, look at product collection, how do they incorporate it into their product, etc. Um, where for me is they have they have a real commitment to the Scottish supply chain to actually materialise that, um, and you know, and that can sit nicely hand in hand with a genuine appreciation for Scottish heritage and having their own their own stake on on a cough of identity or a cough of purpose as I love to refer to tartan is is, is, is that what it's you know, that's what it's for.
0: We've heard and read a lot about the Outlander effect, Mm -hmm. the effect that Outlander, the television series, and probably a renewed or at least an expanded appreciation of the the original books uh, has meant to Scotland, particularly in tourism. It has unquestionably driven tourism into Scotland. As a Tartan designer, have you seen an Outlander effect perhaps on the interest in Tartan itself?
2: Um, Yeah, absolutely. Having spent the last 12 months Becoming very closely connected to the mills that are, remain in Scotland, and also what's you know fundamental to us is obviously the tourist industry and how that's all very sort of um, highly connected because a lot of these mills are visitor centres, etc. And um, it's it's been massive uh, in terms of clam and and the real desire and interest on that sort of heritage traditional aspect. And but the one thing that always uh, sort of Crosses my mind is actually how people are possibly unaware of the fact that they can have their own. You don't need to be Scottish, you don't need to have a proven you know Scottish um, genealogy, uh, you could know, you could be born, brought up, live anywhere around the world, and I think this reflects the nomadic society that we live in, that you know the world is one global community. It really fascinates me that actually if people really knew how much, you know, that that they could have their own design and have their own story and have their their own aspect of legacy that they can share with their their loved ones and, and use in any fashion that they do, you know, they desire. I find that quite interesting and I think it's something in Scotland we should look to say that we we can provide people with something that's highly personalised and is actually going to make you feel wonderful. And, And that's, for me, what life's all about. The more wonders we can embark on that make us feel good, then it's not a bad thing.
0: (laughs) Well, I have to agree (laughs) with you. And I know that's one of the first things I learned in exploring my Scott heritage, because as I said earlier, as soon as I came out and said, you know what, I've discovered that I'm, I'm Scottish. I, uh, well, I I wasn't born in Scotland, obviously, but I have a Scott ancestry. And the first question is, well, what's your clan? What tartan, you know, will (laughs) you wear? And I learned very quickly that while, yes, there are certain tartans that are associated and identified as certain clans, because as you said earlier on, one, one time that's where, because of uh, they were made initially of the materials at hand and varied from region to region, they became a sense of identity. But the fact is today that anyone can wear any tartan now someone who's a purist in say uh, the Mcdonald clan and this is a bit of a personal gig at you that we haven 't discussed, but mm-hmm. uh, you know anyone mm-hmm. who's a purist of the McDonald clan may look down on a Campbell wearing their tartan but there, there are there are no written laws that say only this person can wear this tartan. It is a free for all, and I say that's a gig at you because we haven't discussed yet that you have a Campbell McDonald marriage, which I guess some might find a rather unusual.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. As I say, I mentioned on the that you know breaking traditions and causing a bit of disruption. I uh, myself, I'm a McDonald who married a Campbell, which you would think is something that would be a definite no-no from my camp. And I think, uh, to be you know, to be honest, I think there's something really enjoyable about, um, that you know, the experience of going back and looking at genealogy because you know we're we're fascinated by our forefathers and you know and what, what stamp on life they made. Are we like them? What did they do? So I mean, there's absolutely there's you know, there is no rule that you you know you must. I'm trying to say to everybody forget the clan system let's all have our own tartan type thing but it's, it's, it's what really makes you feel good what makes you feel you know gives you that enjoyable experience and whether it's you know going back and and finding the the affiliation and connection there or thinking actually I might quite like to set my whole new trend and, and build something for my family going forward and you know it's it's you know it's like anything in life you know the, you've, you've got choices and, and I think that's that's the most important thing.
0: And I agree with that because I'm the, the first in my family to really embrace our Scottish ancestry. And I'm certainly far more obsessed with it than anyone else in the family is. Mm-hmm. And to me, the idea of doing, as you say, a personal tartan is an interesting way for me to think about leaving a legacy to my brother and sister, to my nieces, and to their children to come perhaps, yeah. at least of that part of our family. Certainly our family has other ancestral root, roots as well, but <laughs> but I'm particularly interested in and I'm particularly proud of, of the Scottish ancestry. My DNA is 93% the British Isles, and so it, it is an interesting concept that there is no, there isn't a Moir Tartan. Moir is not particularly, is not actually Scottish. It's uh, Swedish origin and, and German, mm-hmm. but I have an yeah. ancestral line that goes back to Breckenridge's and Craig's and others, Preston's, that that do have Scottish origin. But creating a tartan that would be a way of leaving a legacy to the rest of my family yet to come as just an appreciation Mm -hmm. that we had this this makeup within our family, that's an interesting concept. And I want to get into talking about your specific approach to design uh, because that's what your business is about and what we're here about. On your website uh, as I was reading and doing some research you speak a lot on the website about the design of, of a tartan being a journey for your client and, and i want to quote here you on your website you say quoting from creating a storytelling tartan design to breathing life into their cloth and tailored product collection that's the mm-hmm. journey you speak of can you explain to me a little bit more ab- about that how you envision this journey that you go on with your clients
2: yeah and it, it, for me it was it was born from Couple of elements. This is where I split between accountant Claire and creative Claire. (laughs) But um, looking at, you know, in terms of what do we offer within Scotland, where we have, you know, we've we've touched on, you know, there's this huge, you know, awareness of Tartan and its connection to Scotland and things like that. Um, So it was saying, where within Scotland can we offer any individual that end to end service where, you know, it's not a standard. A standard listing, shall we say, of finished product or a standard service that we can offer. Um, for me, it was the desire to be able to give absolute choice from beginning to end and, and, and bringing that experience under one design roof, essentially. So, uh, and, and I, you know, from an international perspective, to work with people who have this sh- either strong affiliation with Scotland or just, you know, incredible sense of identity and they want to use that art and design as a way to really commemorate that and, and have their you know, mark within our uh, national records of Scotland forevermore, it was being able to work with international clients and have that one touch point where, you know, that whole desire... Brief can be pulled in together from the design initiative, its interpretation to its formal registration, to understand what they want to do with it, to advise on the technical um, options, you know, the prototyping of the product, to then present with a highly, you know, beautifully curated collection that it isn't, you know, necessarily driven by you know, volume and, you know, what's the cost base? And, you know, it, it's the desire to have something that's really unique and the desire to have something that, you know, not necessarily everyone can have. So that was the, the the economic opportunity, should I say, within Scotland because we don't have a business in that particular sector that is, you know, willing to take on that level of work perhaps. That, but, for, you know, when you're passionate about giving people something that's really unique to them and bespoke, then it doesn't seem like hard work. It seems like the most obvious thing to do. So it was. That's really for the idea of doing end to end. And for me, it was you know, you know, sitting down with the client, understanding what they would like to create in in a, a you know a kind of story sense, and and off, you know, not physical to write down to the physical. So for example, you know, quite a lot I've done recently for individuals is has been weddings and birthdays to celebrate the union of of two families coming together. You know, many couples today can, you know, can spend a re, you know considerable amount on one day to have it, you know, incredibly special for all of their guests, and you know, and then move forward into their new life together. But by creating a tartan, I, you know, and I wish I did this the day, also a Campbell McDonald tartan would have, I think it would have knocked everybody off the register um, and <laughs> table when they were doing that one. Um, and I might just pop it in for fun to see what the keeper thinks. But you know, to, for you know, you have this amazing day, and then you know, the waiting. And been and gone, there's these photographs, socially everybody can refer to things, but you know, when one particular client created a beautiful. Um, Favour for all their guests, which is a, a you know pure merino uh, scarf that acts as a chair sash. It's got a beautiful monogram label on it with their with their name, the date, and actually every guest that leaves the wedding that weekend is going home with this beautiful scarf. And it's the story of Max and Julie that's in the design, and it's the the, col- the colours reflect them. You know, he, Max is wearing it as a kilt, walking you know waiting for Julie as she walks down the aisle. So it's um, so yeah, so the the whole process for me was just about giving that end-to-end and giving that one point of beautiful experience, I
0: suppose. Perhaps... One way to illustrate that process would be for us to do a little bit of role-playing. And so if if you'll play along with me here for a moment, Mm -hmm. let's say I come to you as as a client and I would tell you I have Scottish ancestry that dates back to the 1600s. I produce a podcast called Under the Tartan Sky. I have a blog called The Glen in Scotland. I have a, a real appreciation for all things Scottish. How would you then start me on the process of designing my own tartan? Whether it be for an identity for my podcast, perhaps, or as just simply a a personal tartan,
2: the process is the same, and um, because I like to see brands as being, you know, it's just not human personalities. Also, it's it's the brainchild probably of a group of individuals and things, but a brand can take on its own personality traits, and a person could could exist if you like that represents the brand. So it's a similar process going through, and and it's for me, it's it's the most enjoyable and it's it's fundamental to creating something that's just absolutely on point for that individual or for that 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 corporate organization and the research phase is the one that um I tend to you know I've had clients where they've you know I've had massive you know this kind of bombardment of amazing stories and passion you know the dates of significant people that they've met that really influenced them and uh, the birth of their children the the number of years doing a particular um activity that you know charted out their timeline etc and um, to you know to locations of you know significant um importance so um on this day we went here this happened you know i can pick up gps coordinates and things like that and 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 the same could be said for organizations and organizations are possibly slightly easier in the sense that you know a business was formed on such and such a date you know and what is the you, you would look at any in um, timeline for an organization and you could you could quite easily mark out milestones and and what is the core values of the business so for example when i did the tomato design what featured heavily within that organization was that was the people you know and that's something they they have you know you can feel it when you go there. there's a real genuine family and um atmosphere you know everybody lives on site because it's such you know it was such a remote distillery uh, they do have the e9 shooting past them now albeit maybe five miles away but you could get that genuine feel for you know Tomatin is all about the people, and, and you can see it's marketed. And so, so that had to feature in the design significantly. So there was a nod to how many people live on site, how many houses are on site, what colour do we use to reflect the importance of people living there. So it's it, it's really going through and, and encouraging clients to be as open as possible. And it's it's it, you know it's a bit forensics. I mean, you could say in some ways it's like doing an audit. As an accountant, <laughs> let me dig into this cash book <laughs> here and let me find out where this belongs. But, you know, maybe that that analytical um, uh, interrogation part of my brain um, was well exercised from that perspective. So I like to dip in. And as I start to get more information, it opens up doors and avenues to, oh, that's really interesting. Um, And when there's places mentioned and dates mentioned and individuals mentioned, I can do a bit of research on these little avenues. And, And between myself and the client, we can carefully curate this amazing story um, as to what they would like their tartan to say. And and for me, it's always an interesting point that, you know, if and this is a corporate client who is obviously got a whole range of customers that love their brand or an individual. And, you know, and it's saying, well, actually, if you were to wear it or if you were to sleep in it or if you were to fly in it, you know, if somebody came up to you and, and they would, without a doubt, because there is, you know, everyone, you know, everyone thinks you, you'll see a tartan sign where does that come from? What does that relate to? So you will get the question, what tartan is that? Mm-hmm. So for them to turn around and say, well this is my tartan and this is what it means and you can point out the colour you can point out the order of the colour and what that means. You can point out, well actually there's eight yarns there because that's the eight children <laughs> or whatever it is. You can actually, so, so what is what, does, what will give them that huge, you know, emotional lift when they can say to anybody, well, let me tell you the story. And that just, you know, that just breathes passion and happiness for them. So it's been able to get that nugget of information uh, and, and pull all that through. So, and it's really good fun. You know, I've done you know, work with clients who want to do things in particular. This is a beautiful project that I'm working on where it's a memory of. this lady's husband who passed away and, you know, he had an incredible life and had done so many things and to be able to charter his life and how much the family respect and value and look up to what he did, you know, to be able to pull that into a really beautiful design and and I've said this, you know, to a few people now, I I don't think, and I'm prepared to learn, I don't think there's any um, cloth register, design register in the world um, that, that, you know, that, that records this level of personal information, be it an individual or a corporate. You know, the Scottish Register of Tartans. I think is you know, we're the only country in the world that has a formal um, national record for these such things. So I think it's you know it's 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 just a beautiful way to do it. So so yeah, so it's it's quite a deep process, but it's great fun. Once people start, they just they just keep going.
0: Do you ever have difficulty with a client opening up and giving you an, enough of that kind of information to, to spur on the design process? I know I would relate it to sometimes I do interviews with people like yourself who are wonderfully chatty and all I have to do is lead them in a direction and they go with it. And there are other times when I do interviews and, and I call it, it's like pulling teeth. You ask a question, it's yep, nope. Sometimes and it's like, come on, give give me a little something, you know, work with me here. Do you ever have that kind of an experience with a client, or or is the excitement of designing a tartan one that just naturally opens them up?
2: I genuinely feel that that is the case, um, because it's something that you know they're doing for such a positive reason, and you know, people love to, you know, if you can catch, it's it's timing in somebody's life or you know certainly from a corporate environment you know because there's so many different priorities and so many different things going on it's not something that um you know if you have a very full life in other areas that it you know the process can take a number of weeks or even could take a couple months which is absolutely fine because I don't think something like this should be rushed so ultimately I like to think with every design that um has been signed off in the last year that I've been been doing this and um, it has absolutely been the case where the design has been created from that you know the floodgates have opened and um, it's, i think it's it's the psychology i suppose and i think i've sort of touched on that the, the fascination with being able to connect with individuals and, and for me that doesn't matter whether they're a board of directors or a board of trustees for an organization to be able to really understand at their level what matters to them and i think when you can connect with people that way um, you've got this instant relationship, and you you know you feel comfortable and confident to share that information. So so far, or you know, maybe I just talk that much, Glenn, and they just think, <laughs> oh, we're going to have to share this. after just <laughs> But no, today today I think I genuinely I think because they absolutely love the whole concept, then it's 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 an easy it's an easy process.
0: And the nice thing about doing a podcast is there are no time limits, so we can talk just as long as we like. That's uh, we're not restricted like a, on a radio show. And some podcasts are briefer than others, just because of the nature of the of the. Of the subject, or sometimes yeah. I just can't get people to talk as much as I would like. I, I don't sense that you and I have that difficulty, however. So, <laughs> um, yeah, time time constraints are, are not an issue. Uh, I have to say, I, f- I discovered you and your company through a previous episode of the podcast when I had uh, John Ogon from Loch Ness Water and you designed their corporate tartan for them. And that led me to discover your website and then reading about you and wanting to get in touch. And I thought, you know, there's an idea for a podcast here. And my initial impression was that you specialize essentially in corporate or business tartans, but in doing further research, I find that you also do a number of individual tartans as well. And I know one that you talked on about a bit earlier, I believe, or maybe that was a previous wedding, but I know you're working on a tartan or have done a tartan for a couple from New York who are being married in Scotland. So you And you have a tartan that you've designed for a race driver and for a young lady who was celebrating a birthday that, that also has uh, apparently is quite the young entrepreneur and launching her own business. So you don't strictly work in the corporate world. You work both within business and individual needs. Is that right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think it's been fundamental for me to, to be able to embark on this absolute passion of mine from the, the relatively safe realms of being uh, a, a chartered accountants and having what you maybe term a fairly normal job. So for me, part of uh, moving into this um, particular sector is being able to show and demonstrate to everybody the reach um, of, of what was in my mind, as opposed in terms of what, what could be achieved. And what's been wonderful is working with corporate organisations at such a young age for my business is, you know, without doubt, there's a huge reach to an audience that, you know, I wouldn't necessarily be able to achieve by doing a number of individual designs so for example working with you know some of the, the really sort of interesting clients you know I was super excited in, at Christmas when I had a, a LinkedIn message sent to me to say you know a chap Gareth Williams would like to um, work with you and um, he happens to be the CEO of SkyScanner you know and Sky Scanner is a massive um, organisation a huge success story for Scotland you know hugely innovative it's all in the technology field and you know that wasn't, there's not an obvious match with, you know, can we have tartan please, you know, from what is the general kind of perception. So to be able to work with an organisation like that who has the most amazing colour palette and we're working on actually commissioning the first cloth now to do some quite um, different um, things, shall we say. um, And so, yeah, so working with an organisation like that allowed me to say very quickly to so many people, you know, I've designed for Skyscanner, here's the colour. It's completely non-traditional. I think because I would, you know, I like to think because I've not been classically trained, I don't see any rules or limitations. And, and I think that's quite important. um from a creative perspective, you know, you, you shouldn't, I think you sh- there should be no limits, you know, that's just, I suppose, this a personal take on it. So, so to be able to, to have organisations, again, like, you know, Tomas and Loch Ness Waters, who were, you know, one of my very first clients, it's been amazing to to work with these organisations and, as and I say, from my perspective as, as a new business that's trying to carve a, a fantastic history back in the Highlands again um, is, is one great thing, but also working with these organisations. And my accountant hat comes again, understanding the commercial um, investment impact. You know, I've touched on, you know, I work completely with the Scottish supply chain, so from a corporate social responsibility corporate values perspective it's great to work with these organizations who have the same values you know they, they believe in the power of the scottish supply chain when it comes to weaving and um, tartan to do it in a scottish mill to have the you know have the product finished within scotland all these types of things so to be able to relay that and interpret that for corporate clients to say well you know this is 100 know your commitment to the scottish supply chain but equally we can create products that you know, make sense for you uh, so it's yeah, so, so it was wonderful working with John um, and I see him regularly and I love, you know, every time I see that lovely Loch Ness Water logo with the tarsan, um throughout and he's down to visit um, Scotland's expedition just recently with um, his amazing Loch Ness Water kilt. Um, it's, you know, that that's fantastic for me and for people to, to you know, become familiar with this amazing brand with amazing products with, with the bottle of Loch Ness water and then you know that conversation starts again as i touched on you know people say so what tartan is that <laughs> and um so, so corporates have been wonderful for me um and, and and equally on on the personal side so i mean yeah, I, I, for me i just you know there's no limits and you know if somebody's looking for a tartan and it doesn't matter whether a corporate organization charity organization a group of friends that want to do something then you know and when, when then why not? You know, if people see that as being something that really glues them together. Then that's what it's there for. Is is, is my sort of view on it. So, so yeah, a real mixture.
0: <laughs> well, and you don't necessarily just stop with the design of the tartan. I noticed uh, for a number of your clients, as you were just saying with John and uh, with Skyscanner, you also then get involved in. I don't want to say the marketing of the. Of the tartan, although there certainly is an element of that, but in the creation of products that then present and help to tell their story, particularly in the case of businesses, but as you mentioned also with the couple that were married in the chair sash that became mm-hmm. um, the scarf for everyone. So it's not just the design of the tartan; it's then essentially the bringing that cloth or bringing life to that cloth in the form of products that then have a special meaning or an application for the the company or the individual.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's just the way I was brought up by my mum, where in fact, you know, it was, you know, if you're going to invest in something, then it's got to be something worthwhile. Can you use it every day? You know, making product um, that would possibly end up in a drawer or something it's just, it's just, you know, it pains me. So I work hard with individuals and companies to really get under the skin of what they what they could use it for. Um, so it does embark from a, from a business side of things. When it's a corporate client, you know, me getting to understand their customer profile and, you know, and they're buying their whiskey, where are they from, you know, where are they going back home, you know, what's the climate, what, you know, male, female, what age, you know, what's the occasion and from an individual, you know, the wedding, you know, it's, it's, it's sitting down in fact. Doing a wedding dress in tartan as well, and forgotten for another bride, um, which is the belladrum one, which is fantastic. So it's, it's sitting down with them, saying, "Well, actually, how would you like to incorporate it there? You, what's your what's your day all about? You know, how many people are coming? Where are you getting married? You know, and and you know, if, actually, if you're all going to be on a hill somewhere and you've got a marquee, then you create hot water bottle covers, and you can have everybody a hot water bottle, and they can have your beautiful tartan as the cover. And so it's again, I, I suppose it's it's, it's, it's it sounds like a lot of work, but I just, for me, it seems the natural thing to do. And I think to be able to create something that's so personal in design um, and to not be able to, to present it to them in a physical form in such a personal manner when it, you know, when it is possible, you know, it's, it's, it, for me, it seems why not. And I think that's possibly what I've always looked for in life is that, you know, actually how can, you know, I don't want just to buy that. How could, is there an option for me to make it X, Y, Z? So, um. So, yeah, so it's um, working with companies to, yeah, to create products. You know, the last thing I want to do is create product for them that sits on a shelf as well. So the more I can understand their their customer and their, their kind of reach and direction, then I can, you know, help strengthen their brand and help strengthen the, the perception of Tartan, I suppose, as being something a little bit different
0: coming. <laughs> In the world of corporate Tartan, is there... Is there such a thing as too much, too many tartans? Do they run the risk of becoming? Oh, it's you know. Oh no, it's just another tartan, and or is it an essential? Do you look at it as something that is, especially for a Scottish company, is it an essential part or a, a part of their identity, a part of their brand? Should it be a part of their brand if it isn't?
2: For me, I think it's all in the execution uh, as to what what it what it represents. Or. So. Mentioned, I think already, you know, a cloth, a cloth of purpose, and I think that's what tartan was for many, many years. And how you know, cloth of purpose was, you know, survival, but then it represented, you know, ambition and strength. To, you know, with the Jacobite uprising, so there was always a purpose behind, you know, wearing it. The the, the the creation of it and then you know the design aesthetics of it as it became to this represented heritage and clans and location and genealogy. So I think when when it's created with such a strong purpose, um I think then absolutely and and it doesn't I don't think it's essential for every every Scottish company to be honest, because it it really is. It's 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 how emotional is your brand? Is it something, you know, for example is, is something that's just a daily essential that, you know, at the end of the day with the product or the service you're providing is, is at such an essential level, that it, it doesn't matter what wrapper it comes in. It doesn't, you know, you just need it to be there on that day to do that. And um, so not every product or service um, that in particular for a Scottish company does, I, do, you know, I don't think it's, it's, there's necessarily a connection, but when there is a real powerful personality behind the brand and has a real strong Um, standing position, um, you know, a heritage or a desire to create a great legacy that's more human-like, I think then yes, I think um, there's a match. And then, you know, it it would be a real shame to not then take that right through to the the product execution rather than thinking, well, actually it's dead easy to produce 5,000 of them, let's go for it. But actually that you you could have you could have put just a little bit more creativity and innovation into the application and come up with something really amazing and um, that's a bit that um i find interesting and hence why i'm going for this highly bespoke um kind of experience and option because i think you know that's it, it's it's a challenge it's giving people what they want and i think you know that that's you know to have that in life that's that, that you know
0: that's that's luxury yeah. <laughs> Well, and that leads into my next question, and that is that we live in a world of technology without question. I mean, after all, mm-hmm. it's rather amazing when you think about it that you're at your home on the Black in Scotland. I'm in my home in Louisiana, and we're able to have a conversation like this as we are. That in itself is is certainly an amazing part of the technology world that we live in. Mm-hmm. Um but with that technology, there are, and nowadays we all know there's an app for everything. If you have a smartphone, you know, you can get an app. I, I'm looking for one that cleans my house. I haven't found one yet to, <laughs> oh, to do that.
2: With
0: me, <laughs> <laughs> I will. As soon as I find it, you'll be the first to know, but there are apps where you can simply go online and design your own Tartan. Um, and you can do it in a matter of four or five easy steps. Now I'm not saying it's a good Tartan, Um, I'm just saying it can be done, and I'm reminded of an earlier podcast I did with Brian Wilton of the uh, Tartans Authority, and he had some real opinions um, about good tartan and bad tartan as far as design is concerned. Mm -hmm. So I I guess I I would put kind of a similar uh, question to you with regard to these online apps and the ability to to do your own, a do-it-yourself sort of thing. Should designing a Tartan be a bit more special than just a, a do-it-yourself experience? And and is it important, in your opinion, for people to use the services of someone like yourself um, if they want to create a Tartan rather than just going online and slapping some colors together?
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one, and um, I'm trying to how you know what the similar you would you know what the, sorry the comparison would be in other industries where you know certainly as you you've touched on you know it's it, we're the, sort of the technical revolution where you know everything's robotic just about uh, other than us the humans thankfully still retain those those emotional traits and it's um, so there's there's some things you just cannot stop. And you know, and for me, I do. You know, it's quite a and quite a niche area, and it's quite a unique desire and passion and thoughtful spaces to think about having a personal touch and whether you're an individual or a business, it's it's not for everyone, and and that's 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 wonderful. You know, that's what that's what the world's made up of of, of the variety and the, the different characters that we have. You've said, Glenn, certainly there's a, a nap just about for everything apart from cleaning the house at the moment, and you know. And, and it's a personal choice. I wouldn't be one to say whether it's wrong or right these should exist or whether a tartan created with that with that app that's you know, that's somebody experimenting and, and, and playing around with colours. You know, I would never say that what would be wrong or right or what would be a good or bad design because after all, you know, it's it's like seeing, you know, some people might think the painting of the Mona Lisa is not that good. So it's, it's a really personal interpretation of whether somebody likes something or doesn't like something. Um, and whether you, you want to do something yourself or whether you actually want to work with somebody who has a particular style, you know, it, it applies to fashion, you know do I make my own clothes or actually will I go and buy the latest Vivian Westwood, you know, wool coat or something. So it, it, it's, it's a real personal choice. And and it's, yeah, it's, you know, as a, gosh, as, as I say, I wouldn't um, say if anything is a good or bad design. It is it is down to personal taste. Um, and, yeah, so, I mean, I think it's wonderful in some respects, actually, that we have some of these apps because, it, you know, it shows that tarting can still be, Advanced, it has you know there's te- technology applications. They, they could be much much better. Don't get me wrong. We could really develop um, how how that could be changed into a really fun application for people to snap and color pick and and, and do some mix up and and have some sort of algorithm behind it. But. Um, I think you know it. It shows that we're not completely in the dark ages, and you know I would never say whether something was good or bad design. And I think it does come back to the fact that you know, as I hugely respect the the, the traditions and the heritage, etc. of the past, but I'm really interested and excited to think of what the future could be, 200 years from now, and and how we could possibly sort of create a bit of an uprising once again on a, a on a tartan disruption as I like to term it
0: <laughs> <laughs> well as a tartan designer clearly one of the first things you, you must have had to do was to design your company Tartan. I think it's it's a beautiful Tartan with the name of the company being the Prickly Thistle that it was drawn from the thistle, the purple and the green. I think it's a beautiful meld of, of colors and shade. Was that an easy task for you? Was it difficult? But that, that had to be one of the first things you think, well, if I'm going to launch myself as a Tartan designer, I better have my own Tartan.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and yeah, I mean, there was a huge excitement for the very first early designs and experimenting with colour and set size and, you know, and how that, and, and, and what that would be woven with, you know, what quality. I mean, that very same design would look very different on a silk cloth um, it looks very different on the, the cashmere lambs wool cloth that, um we did, I know, we sampled it with originally and experimented with some product finishings, etc. So it was, it was relatively easy, and I, and I think that's same for anybody, you know, anybody's listening, and and if they're lucky enough to be working for a product, service, or a, a purpose that they're really passionate about, these things seem so much easier. They don't seem like hard work. They don't seem t- terribly difficult. And I think, you know, because your heart carries you along at such speed you know, it, it, it's it's not like you're even working. So for me, it was very simple. And I, all I need to do is just control myself and stop designing every day. You know, I walk through um, the staging and I look down and I think, gosh, the way the sunlight's coming in today and it's casting a beautiful um, sort of shade or golden glow across the old cobbles that, you know, used to be in the buyer. And then I think, gosh, I must take a picture. All those colours are amazing. And how could I interpret cobbles that were kind of laid in um, and, and, and how could I translate to a, a tartan design? And, you know, I, I look at the most bizarre things, bark that's fallen off the, the sticks that my husband cuts for the fire. And I think, gosh, that's beautiful colours there and the moss and the lichen. So I what's difficult is to control myself and not just keep designing <laughs> away on, on all sorts of ideas that I have. So, um, but yeah, it, I think it's just like anybody. If you do something that you're really passionate about, it, it doesn't seem like hard work, which is, you know, it's very fortunate. Yeah. Place
0: to be, I think. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. On your website, you talk about uh, your belief that each of us longs for a sense of belonging, and and a sense of a unique identity. And you you talk about how tartan you think can help achieve that, especially a bespoke tartan. Obviously, how much of that is the foundation of your approach to business, and and how. In your mind, does a bespoke tartan help us achieve that um, that level of belonging and and unique individual identity?
2: I mean it's it absolutely runs through the foundation and and centre of of why i I chose to move into doing what I'm doing and and how I try to develop the brand, you know in these very early days of, of looking to achieve something wonderful for the region. So yeah, I mean, they're you know they're the core centre points to 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 what it's all about, and and I think it's something that you know I, I touched on in terms of that sort of global community that we have. You know, what, you know when you take aside any cultural political. You know, any of these factors, then you know we all have we all have that in common. We all, you know, the, the sense of belonging is hugely you know fundamental to us by our nature, and that sense of identity and, and legacy. You know, what do you, know, you know? People we want people to think well of what you've achieved, and and what you've achieved is not a case of flying to the moon, which I know would be done, but it's not a sense of the size of your achievements. It's actually I did something and um, that I was really passionate about, volunteering, I looked after this person. I bake cakes every day for my children or you know, it's it's been able to take um what your sense of identity you know, your identity that becomes your legacy and and I would never benchmark what qualifies as being you know, a legacy um point. But it's I see Tartan as being such a beautiful way of doing that. So it's it's very subtle. It's very discreet. It has that air of mystique behind it because when you see the design, you don't know what it's telling you. But actually, this design is telling you something and it's telling the story of a brand. It's telling the story of a person. And for me, it's a really unique way of doing it. And it's something that actually is. There's a formal register, you know, here in this country that will track that forevermore. So I think it's, it does tick that boxes on a, on a number of levels. It isn't, isn't for everyone, for sure. But when you know they see something that is, is very subtle and, and can be incorporated into beautiful colorways and then have infinite applications, I think it can be you know seen as a real fun thing to do, fun thing to share.
0: Certainly, others agree with Claire about the fun of sharing tartan and her unique approach to its design, as evidenced by her growing client list. You can see examples of her design talents and read a bit about some of her clients and how their tartans came to be on her website, pricklythistlescotland.com. There's a link, of course, in our show notes for this episode at www.underthetartansky.scot. My sincere thanks to my guest, Claire Campbell, and I'm excited to announce that yours truly and this podcast are now among her latest clients. If you'd like to follow along in the design of first my personal tartan and eventually the Under the Tartan Sky tartan, you can do so on my personal blog. You'll find it at www.aglennscotland.scot. Claire plans to expand her business to include her own mill, and I'm hoping my tartan will be woven and ready for my next visit to Scotland coming this September. Next time, more innovative women of Scotland and a return visit by a friend of this podcast, Teresa Mackay. We'll explore her award-winning research into the emergence of female innkeepers across the highlands and islands of Scotland and their impact on Scottish tourism and hospitality around the turn of the 19th century. Until then, I'm Glenn Moyer. Topolev, alapa gubra.
1: Under the Tartan Sky is a production of Glenn L. Moyer Creative Communications. For show notes and more information on this and all Under the Tartan Sky episodes, please visit our website at www.underthetartansky.scot. And while you're there, check out our online shop where you can buy exclusive Under the Tartan Sky logo apparel and other items. Have an idea for a future episode? or get in touch via email at info at scot. Visit and like our page on Facebook and follow us on Twitter, where our username is at underscore tartansky. That's the underscore symbol tartansky. And thank you for listening.